G'day everyone and welcome to episode 96 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined by my co-host, John. John, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, just more Starfield and a bit more other things this week. Otherwise, pretty uneventful. What about you? Yeah, no, uh, pretty much the same. Just trying to stay on top of stuff at work and... Yeah, played played a few more hours of Starfield, and yeah, did, did yeah, had, had a little bit of fun. I, I loved uh, the glitches. Uh, I had some like funny glitches, which are uh, we, we can talk about a little bit later. So, um, I I will say that the the uh, latest Nvidia driver just dropped today. For it's technically for like Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, but if you if you scroll down, you'll see in the notes that it's the it's the first official driver that has like optimizations for starfield so hopefully that's that's a uh a, a good thing <laughs> good mm. thing as well yeah I was, I was meant to try that out yesterday but i, f- I forgot <laughs> i was curious about <laughs> it yeah yeah because like I, I i fiddled around a lot on the weekend with that bloody dlss driver i was trying to figure it out and yeah finally got it working and yeah it really does uh really does make the game run much more smoothly than if you're trying to run it like as it is which, um, yeah, yeah, because I had it installed last time we talked about it, and it yeah. was a bit, yeah, was a bit nicer than mm. FSR, yeah, yeah, less, less, especially in neon, less of the like the, you know, kind of the fuzziness in the in the, all the, the corners and everything, so mm. yeah, we can talk that talk about that a little bit later, um, but before we talk about the news, a couple of things to point out, <laughs> which uh, it's like it's like, it's like clockwork. <laughs> Uh, what's going to happen is uh, Nintendo announced a a, a direct presentation that's going to go up uh, to uh, basically midnight on the uh, so we're recording this on Thursday the 14th so by the time you guys hear it this would have already have happened but basically a couple of hours after we finish recording the the Nintendo Direct is going to go (laughs) be premiered and then Tomorrow, the Friday, the fifteenth, um, it's going to be the the state of play that Sony announced earlier today. So, it's uh, <laughs> some bumper news right after we record, <laughs> as usual. Yes, <laughs> but uh, Kai should be back for that one. So that yeah. kind of works out a little better, anyway. Mm. And I'll uh, I'll be watching. I'm watching uh, the new Ninja Turtles movie on the weekend, so hopefully I can speak about that next week as well. Speaking of the news, why don't we uh, switch on over to the news, John? <laughs> this uh, this first bit of uh, this first block is uh, more focused around hardware. So last week, there a couple of reports emerged. Uh, the first one coming from Eurogamer, uh, talking about the fact that uh, some sources had claimed that Nintendo had actually uh, held some behind closed doors developer presentations uh, with select partners uh, for the Nintendo Switch 2 or the, you know, whatever the the, the, the follow-up to the Switch is going to be. So the first tech demo allegedly uh, was showing a 
like a I guess souped up or upgraded version of uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, which was designed to show off what the graphics might look like uh, if you were running the game uh, with the beefier specs that's expected to be uh, part of the Switch 2 hardware. Um, this was just a tech demo. It was there's there's no there's no suggestion from any of the uh, the sources that the, uh, the this this tech demo is representative of a re-release of the game. Uh, and then uh, shortly after that, Video Games Chronicle confirmed the veracity of the original report from Eurogamer and added that uh, developers were also shown a version of Epic's uh, The Matrix Awakens uh, Unreal Engine 5 tech demo, which was originally released uh, in late 2021 to show off Unreal Engine 5's, uh, I guess, improved capabilities when running on the, the well, then new PS5 and Xbox Series X systems. This, uh, this demo uh, allegedly was running on, again, hardware that was... S- the similar specs to what the final Switch hardware will be um, and that it was actually running using NVIDIA's DLSS upscaling technology uh, with ray tracing enabled and visuals apparently that were comparable to what you'd find on the PS5 and Xbox Series X. The, 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 the cool thing is that if using something like DLSS which is NVIDIA's upscaling technology that uses uh, deep learning hardware or you know AI, I guess, hardware built into the RTX 20, 30, and 40 series of graphics cards means that the game can run at a lower resolution and then using the, 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 the special hardware to upscale the image and clean it up so that it looks nice at a, say, a 4K, 1080, or wh- whatever the final display would be. So... Uh, it it could be a way for the switch to to still be based on mobile hardware, which traditionally isn't as powerful as you know desktop class hardware that you'd find in in the 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 PS5 and Xbox Series X, but still be able to to uh, meet all the battery targets and the graphical uh, the frame rate targets that you know players probably looking for in a in a modern system. So I guess it's a it's interesting to see that these talks are happening now because uh, there's been speculation throughout the whole year, but nowhere near as much as what was happening around, you know, prior to the Switch ca- coming out. You know, when it was codenamed the NX. What do you What do you think, John? Do you think this is a maybe an indication that Nintendo might be ready to announce a system for early next year? Um, I, I guess so, because this kind of stuff was always gonna come out you know sooner run later though i guess it, it i don't know i'm curious how many people they actually showed it to mm. i think when this like rumor just came out which wouldn't couldn't have been that far before this it's like i think the like the rumor said like they showed like five people or something yeah. there were very few people um so it's just like it was i don't know but the fact that it's been verified makes it it's like i was not expecting that i don't think yeah. like based on the yeah and it's I know, like it's very. Um, I know about like I guess it could be announced pretty soon. I hadn't really thought that far ahead to be honest, but it's um, mm. 
But it's like it was like I guess it's more or less confirmed that DLSS is going to be a core part of it, which is exciting. Yeah. Like, um, and I don't know because I'm not really I don't need top tier specs in a Switch successor so much mm. personally, but it's cool to have it. I'm not yeah. against it. So it's um yeah. So I don't know. I guess it's just made me even more curious about what the final product's going to be. Like, is it really just going to be hardware, like, you know, beefed up hardware yeah. and not much else, which is probably going to be true regardless, but I wonder if they're going to, how much else they're going to yeah, um, go with it. <laughs> how would yeah, you say those words properly? The, <laughs> I think the cool thing would be is that, you know, rather than going for just pure graphics and, you know, graphical fidelity, like Nintendo always does a good job of, designing the art of its games of its first party games to really I guess minimize minimize any apparent deficiencies in power like you don't look at Switch games and go like oh that looks like an old game but what you might say is that it runs like an underpowered system that's so I'm I'm excited for what it means in terms of you know would that mean that the next Zelda would be running at 60 frames per second. And maybe it's running at 4K, but upscale to 4K, and maybe it's running closer to 1080p, and it's just using DLSS to kind of upscale. And and that still can look very nice uh, mm. uh, if if DLSS on the, on the PC is shown, because uh, Digital Foundry, you know, lots of different tech sites and lots of analysis. Like AMD's FSR, upscaling tech, isn't as mature as NVIDIA's DLSS. Like, DLSS can make... Like, sometimes DLSS can make a game look better than it was it, than if it was running at the native resolution of the display just because of how good the algorithm is to to clean up and, and sharpen the image. So, you know, it could it could do a lot of the heavy lifting for a, a an essentially, like, you know, mobile CPU, mobile, like mobile chip that's that's going to be the heart of a switch successor so mm-hmm. yeah the other thing also is that if breath of the wild is running on it it could mean that backwards compatibility is is going to be uh maintained in the switch too which i think is going to be really important yes i've also been thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> i would really enjoy it if it can um, contain like retained um mm. had that um but it's like it's um I guess there's like there's good reason to think that it will have backwards compatibility because that's what Nintendo typically does with their consoles. Switch is more of a one of the rare hard breaks mm. um, for them, and like I think that's like I saw people comparing it to like they would just probably do what they did with the 3DS, where it's like I think like part of the rumors are going around right now is that they'll have a new cartridge type. Yeah, but it'll probably be like 3DS where they'll kind of tweak the shape a bit so it can't go in original switch hardware like can't fit in there but you know vice versa is true though you know like old switch cartridges can fit and (laughs) run that way so it's um i don't know that doesn't matter too much but it's just like curious how they're gonna approach that i guess and i'm like and i wonder why they like i wonder if do you think the reason why nintendo went with cartridges versus using like memory cards is because of piracy like it's just one more barrier to to fighting piracy. I wonder if that's the main reason why. Because SD cards can get v- like very big and also very fast. 
Mm. Um, I don't know. It, it usually comes down to money, <laughs> I think, with these <laughs> cases. Like, I don't know. I imagine there's a few reasons, though. It's just mm. like... Like it means like physical hard, like physical boxes on shelves take up less space, saves mm. money long term in terms of like shipping and retail space, and and then there's like yeah. also, I don't know, there's, don't I'm sure there's like so many reasons. Anymore, man. I think there's even like the basic <laughs> idea of like cartridges having like a nostalgic effect, which yeah. is like very important for the Switch's success initially. Was like so many people were just so completely, you know, unaware of Nintendo. Like, yep. in terms of, like, mindshare for, like, a decade or whatever since the Wii came out. Yeah. And then everyone kind of forgot about Nintendo <laughs> since then, a lot mm. of people, because the Wii U just did so, so tragically. Um, <laughs> you could and say. Then, <laughs> it's one yeah. way of putting it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like having cartridges sort of has that effect, too. So mm. it's like, I think, I don't know, it doesn't matter much. It just got me thinking, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's stick on the Nintendo side of things and talk about this next report, which is coming to us via GameSub and originally reported by Laura Kate Dale, who's an independent reporter and uh, kind of like industry insider. She uh, spotted a trade uh, a patent filing from Nintendo in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. It was originally filed in May and was made public just last week. Uh, essentially, Nintendo has patented technology that could mean the Switch 2's joystick or analog sticks don't suffer from the horrific drift issues that I think most Switch systems seem to have been afflicted by, at least in the like the first few first uh, iteration of the Switch. So, uh, within the filing itself, there are references to Hall effect uh, sensors, essentially using uh, Hall of instead of traditional joysticks, which have like it's basically plastic, uh, plastic on plastic, and then some sensors around it, and usually that's why the stick drift happens because like you know the plastic parts wear away, or the or the sensors get you know I think they get like uh, like damage or something something happens to them essentially that makes them go bad very like much more quickly than you'd expect from uh you know controllers that can cost more than a hundred bucks in some cases uh, here in australia and what a whole effects sensor instead of having physical moving parts it actually uses a magnetic field and when it when it detects changes in the magnetic field it knows that there's been a change in direction and the the joystick itself doesn't have to it, it doesn't have to touch onto like there's there's much less friction and it means that it theoretically should be impossible for the joystick to go out of calibration and uh you know wear out so joystick joystick drift should uh not be possible you know in theory the other uh technology listed uh, mentioned in the uh the filing was for okay this is going <laughs> to it's for a uh, magnetorheological fluid whose viscosity changes with a magnetic field intensity and which becomes resistance when the operation element is displaced from to the initial position. Essentially, it's a type of liquid uh, that gets thicker and or thinner depending on whether the joystick is moved or not moved. So think of it as like it's 
like v- very lubed <laughs> very well lubricated joystick <laughs> right in your in your controller so yeah may not completely eliminate joystick drift but it would do a hell of a lot to to uh minimize the friction that might cause a lot of joystick drift in not just the Nintendo systems but you know all pretty much all like traditional joysticks but yeah especially on the Nintendo's uh, like the Joy-Cons that have really suffered over the last I guess 6 years now since the Switch came out mm yeah cuz it's like that's probably another thing like the cartridge choice where it's just like mostly comes down to money probably mm. you know in Nintendo's case they've been hit you know deservedly by like lawsuits and just generally a lot of flack for um the construction of their joysticks by a lot of people a lot Mm. of frustrations so it's just like yeah so the idea that the next switch will have this built in is a nice thing to i guess like probably be the case you know like it's 100 percent because I got hit by stick drift. Yeah. And then when, like, even as, like, not Nintendo-related, but I was, like, I, um, I sold my PS5 to a friend of mine mm. with an old controller of mine. And then, like, two weeks later, they got hit by stick drift on the old controller. That I, like, I felt terrible about it. But it's just, like, these, like, a lot of this, a lot of the current hardware is kind of, you know, not up to par for how much you're spending on them. Because you're spending more, typically. <sighs> yes. Very and much. they kind of seem to have more troubles than they seemingly yeah. used to i've been i've been very lucky like i've got like my ps4 because i don't have a ps5 i i i have a an xbox like series controller um that i use on pc and that hasn't been hit by it yet and my my dual shocks like my dual shock fours haven't been hit by them admittedly i barely use them so <laughs> like that's probably why maybe if i use them a lot you would have um more issues like my family friend has like three or four dual sensors sitting on his desk because like one of them has a problem with some like one of them has a problem with the stick drift the other one has a problem with the buttons and it's just each one of them has a different problem so if you like put them all to, if you took parts from each and put them all together into one controller you'd probably get a, a nice working controller but for some reason <laughs> the dual sense for him has been really bad you can bolt from the bolt from them together into functional. <laughs> that's <Yep>. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Like uh, a lot of there's some third party, some some high end third party controllers that have had Hall Effect joysticks, and then also, uh, um, I was gonna say like even some cheaper ones from like China. They just, I don't know. They're just trying those like different different technologies and and some of those like steam deck like devices on pc those mini handheld gaming pcs some of them even have had hall effect joysticks so it's not like it's not like it's a new technology in the gaming sphere it's just new for a mainstream like console manufacturer to really get behind so it's i mean it's it's good i think the fact that all these like companies are also like you're saying like all these controller manufacturers and other third parties like the fact that there are like so many of them are doing it even something as small as like the you know mm. third party steam deck likes yeah it's just like i think that says a lot about how the kind of demand that's there as well mm. yeah. so it's just you know nintendo has more than just the single reason of 
their Joy-Cons being rough in, <laughs> in, uh, in historically. Yeah. It's like there's, you know, people care about it, basically. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, speaking of people caring about things, uh, Apple made some announcements this week, and it once again, it does its once every six to seven years obligatory, uh, hey, we acknowledge that gaming is a thing again. <laughs> and this week, Apple announced its Apple uh, its iPhone 15 series, so the 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 standard iPhone 15 and iPhone 15 Pros. Essentially, they're the iPhone 14s on the outside, except the Pros now are made out of a have a titanium like a border, like a frame, rather than a, st- a steel one, which makes them lighter and a little bit thinner. But the main thing is, A, now all the new iPhones have USB-C charging ports, which about fucking time, but in typical Apple fashion, none of them support USB 3 or faster data transfer. So you're still stuck to like lightning speeds in terms of like data transfer, so transferring photos and video, but you still get the physical, you still get the like the faster charging and like the actual physical connector of USB-C with none of the other benefits, which, of course. You're going to have to buy some Apple cables. Yeah. And uh, as part of the announcement, the iPhone 15 Pro and iPhone 15 Pro Max, both of those will get the latest A17 Pro uh, a, uh, system on a chip, which apparently is powerful enough to run AAA game titles like Assassin's Creed Mirage, Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil 4 Remake, and Death Stranding as native ports. Um, because Apple announced that all those games are coming to the the iPhone and iPhone... Uh, the iPhone 15 Pro and iPhone 15 Pro Max. So Assassin's Creed Mirage is coming the first half of next year. And both the Resident Evil games as well as Death Stranding are expected sometime later this year on on the phone which is uh i don't know how like i understand from a graphics point of view that yes phones have really been um improving year on year and apple's silicon like apple's proven with the the m1 and m2 chips in in the ipads and the uh in in its latest macs that you know it's got serious computing power and that i don't know if i want to if I want to be playing, you know, a game like Assassin's Creed Mirage or Resident Evil with touchscreen controls, <laughs> like, uh, oh, I, I yeah. figured it. Like, I was thinking, I, I'm, I'm curious how the touchscreens work actually with these mm. titles, but I, I figured they're for the, all the controller setups. Yeah, but it's like it's um, like thinking about this now because I don't think I thought too much about it beyond the selection of games being curious mm. <laughs> because like mirage isn't out yet resident evil village is a couple years old resident evil 4 came out this year their strandings also several years old so it's like it's like they've picked as few games as possible to try and cover as <laughs> breadth as possible you know because village is first person <laughs> like i don't know it's just a weird selection yeah. um yeah of modern-ish game. Well, but it's like, uh, the main thing that kind of stood out to me, it's just like, okay, the pro only the pro can handle these games. Yeah. 
and it makes me really want and it's native too <laughs> and it's like it makes me wonder what the battery life is when only the <laughs> pro can handle this and i think also because the a17 pro the the actual processor is only on the the pro versions of the phones not the not the standard iphone 15 model so i think that's also part of it maybe the extra mm. graphical because usually the like Apple, like the the different tiers of silicon, whether it's on the desktop or iPads versus the phones, like there, there'll be different tiers of silicon and usually they'll have, usually the difference between the upgraded one and the standard one is more processing cores, including graphical processing cores. So it's like, okay, they technically would have a, a faster GPU. Because mm. I to thought handle. I read yesterday yeah. that like, um or whenever, it was yesterday, yes, um, that it was like twenty percent faster than mm. the base iPhone model, which mm. is like I don't know. That's probably a big, you know. There's probably several stats that are very important to figuring this out. But yeah. I was like thinking about that. I was like, if twenty percent is like the broad definition of you know the difference between these two chips, it's like twenty percent doesn't seem like that gigantic <laughs> a difference to be running this kind of caliber of game. Game, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. But overall, I'm very curious about it though. Yeah, it's just like it's. It like I also think that that like four games on only the pros means like basically nothing as far as Apple <laughs> concerned. Like it feels like like nothing in terms of like yeah. play games on our systems, and it's yeah. like you gave us nothing. Though. Well, it's <laughs> what are you doing? That's the thing because like Apple, Apple historically hasn't doesn't have a great track record when it comes to games, uh, and especially on mobile. Like in terms of official support, because you have to go back to 2014. I think, yeah, I think it was 2014 when the iPhone 6 was announced. The iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus. Yeah, Plus back then. That's what they called it. (laughs) Because that was when Apple announced, uh, I think it was called Metal, which is like a new development, like like basically a new set of developments, um, like, uh, like, development kits are basically letting developers access lower level uh, like access the iOS system at a lower level and get much better performance out of the chips and that that was like a big initiative there were like I think Vainglory was the big like on stage presence when that was announced and then we didn't really hear much until a few years later when Apple Arcade was announced and that was on the mobile side of things and then it was like I think three years ago when 2020 when Apple announced that it was making its own kind of laptop desktop chips in the M1 and M2 series so the M1 series onwards is when Apple introduced a uh, a I guess translation layer so that you don't have to necessarily rewrite code for the Mac OS you could just run Windows games and you could use like a translation layer similar to what at the Steam what Valve does with the Steam Deck where there's a translation layer between Windows and Linux so that, you know, so many games are compatible on Steam Deck without having to be, you know, written from the ground up for Linux-based operating systems. So it's a similar idea, but for, like, for macOS. So it's 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 good to see that Apple is actually taking gaming seriously again. You know, whether or not people want to play console-style games on their phone will be... Something that we have to like, I guess, keep keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's it's still an interesting thing. Like, and it's probably the only yeah. interesting thing coming out of these phones, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm not convinced. This like, I'm I'm not convinced this is Apple getting serious again, <laughs> to be honest. But it's like, um, 
What do you mean? Yeah. You, you don't think this is the death of the big three? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how Death Stranding works with my just my fingers on the screen, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not much else. Um, yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of some changes happening in the gaming world, what's happening with uh, with with things back home, John? Yes. Um, the Australian Parliament um, here has passed a bill to update the classification system we use for our media so um how like our rating system basically um yes this is via the classification amendment bill um, passed by parliament um, from the press release the bill includes quote um it will modernize the national classification scheme by expanding options for industry to self-classify content um, either in-house or third-party classifiers that have been trained and accredited by the australian government um, extending the classification board's powers to quality assure self-classification decisions, expanding classification exemptions to include low-risk cultural content made available by libraries and museums, and introducing a classifier once principle so content classified for broadcast can be shown in other formats using the same classification. Um, yeah, so this and this will come into effect in early 2024. Broadly, this means that in Australia, this is going to improve the capacity and the sort of, I guess, like the pace of classification and ratings in Australia. Mm. So um, to classify growing volumes of content, promote industry compliance and reduce classification timeframes and costs, um, while also increasing access to content in public libraries and approved cultural institutions. Um, I like that part a lot. <laughs> I like the idea that libraries can be given, like, have a lot more access to um, content, I guess, because they're a national institution. Hmm. Um, otherwise, it it doesn't seem like a wild change. Like, yeah, I guess we might see the effects of it in some ways, but as a consumer, it doesn't feel like something that feels uh, immediately impactful. Yeah. I guess beyond the library part, depending yeah. on how, how often you use stuff like that. It's uh, like... The main thing I'll say is that it sort of seems like what happened in the US with the ESRB where, uh, except, you know, it, it, it didn't change from a government classification to public or to, like, self-classification. Whereas here, ju like, the ESRB, the ESA in America runs the ESRB, which self-regulates itself and does all the all the ratings across all the games officially released in in the US. So this is like it's like saying okay the the classification board can't handle everything. So we're going to let the industry do some classification and regulate itself, but we're still going to oversee it. So it's not quite yeah. hands off. It sounds like they're doing less work while having more power. <laughs> it's like which is like I don't know, it sounds like the better way to do it if the idea is that yep. the board doesn't have to go, you know, go through every piece of media, game or otherwise, with like a fine tooth comb and just kind of and also, you know, the kind of people in that those positions kind of have um can have like quite a lot of ability to, you know, um reject mm. media that doesn't necessarily deserve it for relatively small things because Australia's a fairly puritanical yeah, kind of um, country in some ways. Um, so it's 
it sounds like it could improve things if the idea is that self-classify, self-regulate first, and then on a higher level, I guess I'm not quite sure how what that looks like yeah. in practice, but like hopefully that res- results in just, I guess, better classification, better ratings. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I, that's the thing. Like, we, all you could really hope for is that, you know, people don't abuse it, <laughs> you know? especially yeah. private entities. So I guess we'll we'll, we'll see. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we'll finally get Hotline Miami 2. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I can finally give them my money. I wonder what those devs are doing, actually. <laughs> we need to look it up. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I'm, I, I guess, like, I'm curious to see. Because, like, the, in Australia, in regards to games, the main thing is either, um, like, sexual content, sexual assault, like, specifically, like, I think, uh, particularly, I mean, and also um, drug use as a rewarding mechanic versus something that's more... Um, less rewarding i guess you know just like more uh balanced in that sense so i'm curious if there's anything gonna change there but i don't know that doesn't come up often anyway yeah yeah well i guess we'll we'll see it won't changes won't come into effect until next year so we'll guess guess we'll know this time next year how many extra things have gotten banned or whatnot yeah <laughs> refuse classification as it were <laughs> mm got a few more months to enjoy this current <laughs> rating system. Yeah. Well, if we, if we move things away from government and go go back to the private sector, let's talk about what's happening across... I was going to say across the pond, but more like across the world, uh, is uh, some more trouble apparently. Well, not trouble, but some more wheeling and dealing happening uh, in, within the Embracer group. So according to Reuters, uh, there's a report saying that uh, that a uh, three people quote <laughs> three people familiar with the matter quote uh, told Reuters that Embracer Group is evaluating different options with regard to Gearbox Software, which it acquired, I think 2021, I think it acquired um, the the veteran kind of developer behind Borderlands. Uh, the original Halo PC port, some other stuff that I can't think of right now. Like, I feel like, oh yeah, like was it Aliens Colonial Marines? Like the really bad one that everyone didn't like. I think Gearbox developed that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, bangers, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, one of the options that Embracer is exploring is quote including a sale. Um as it, quote, uh, tries to shore up its finances, end quote. Um, And apparently the the European publisher is, uh, quote, working with Goldman Sachs and Ariman Co. to explore a sale, uh, and that a couple of different third parties, uh, according to two of the, the three people that were mentioned in the report, that Embracer is looking to sell the Gearbox... uh, um, Gearbox software uh, because some of the third parties have quote uh, shown interest end quote uh, so as of as of us recording uh, no one um, both Embracer and Goldman Sachs declined to comment when Reuters asked them and Areem and co the other kind of financial slash like you know mergers and acquisitions firm dec- uh, did not even uh, respond 
to any of the requests. So, yeah, I mean, just last week we talked about Volition getting shut down mm. completely after 30 years. You know, Gearbox has been around for 20 plus years and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty well-known studio and, and publisher. W- do you think this is a, do you think this is a, there's a strong likelihood of Gearbox getting moved around soon? Sounds like it. It's like this shit sucks with Embracer. It's like it's like it's so it's like on fire, and it's like the more I think about it, the more kind of aggravating it is. Because like I don't think I thought as much, just because I just I guess I was just ignorant. But like um, just the way that Embracer spent so much money trying to acquire so much of the industry mm. so quickly, and then it gambled it all on getting bought or getting into giant stake by Saudi Arabia of yep. all places. <laughs> and when that fell through, it's all just falling apart and yep. it's going to hurt everyone. And it's like, I was thinking with Gearbox, it's like Embrace's main thing with Gearbox so far, as far as I know, is like making Gearbox even bigger. Yeah. You know, then like, it's just, it's pumped it with new studios. I'm sure that means so much more personnel that it needs to take care of. And in this situation, that's so much... Mm-hmm. They're such, they're such a, like, I imagine, like, high risk financially, right? Like, I don't yes. understand how there'll be anything else. So, it's just, like, mm. they've just, they've just fucked it all up and they've got so much. Yeah. And, like, and, it's, and if they, yeah. they're getting rid of Gearbox of all things, like, I wonder if that even um, includes the Borderlands IP. Because if Who it knows? doesn't, that's going to be really hard for Gearbox if Embracer are, like, pretty set on casting them off, you know? Yeah. It's all right. Like, Gearbox like gets without- to keep Brothers in Arms, you know the the World War Two franchise from back in the day. That that'll make <laughs> a comeback. Or the Half Life expansions. That's the <laughs> that's other thing right. I don't yeah. anymore. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it's like if they don't have Borderlands, what's going to happen to that company? Because that's mm. actually that puts them in a really tough spot if they don't have it. And it's just I don't know. It's like it just seems. And this is just you know this is just one small section of a very big company. All of a sudden, that yeah. they are desperate to get shed as much of it as they can yeah i think i think this rapidly. is even <laughs> one small part of embraces shooter division because remember like saber yeah. interactive and like what saber, used to be crytek <laughs> you know, like all those oh, got crytek kind of, i yeah. forgot about that yeah which became like part of deep silver which was part of coke media and then that got like folded under saber interactive it's 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 weird like um what's been happening on like over the past few years with, with those mm. like kind of not I'm not saying B grade but like you know they're not your epic games or your you know id, te- id software in terms of like first person shooter developers or even like uh like Call of Duty like Respawn or something like that like kind of the, the tier down from that all getting consolidated into one place and, and the thing is every time Embracer announce something announce an acquisition or a merger of some kind it always said oh don't worry about it we're not changing anything they're going to stay who they are they're going to operate the exact same way they were they're going to stay like that it's like but then what's the point of acquiring them because the whole point of being part of a big group is that you have efficiencies in you know economies of scale you know you have more you you don't like you know, you, if you're just keeping things the way they are, all mm. you like it does it just means that you you're actually running things less efficiently because you can't take advantage of you know the like you know 
centralized PR, centralized marketing, centralized, you know, finance team, you know, all the all those benefits you get from being part of a big group. Yeah. And it's like it turns out it was just a big short sighted gamble. Yes. With like a significant chunk of the industry. It's like it's not a small amount of it. It's a big, big chunk of it. And yeah. now they're they're all in danger. Mm. And it's just that I don't know. It's like the game industry is like one that's immensely prof- profitable and it's not it's not changing that soon. So it means that jobs aren't I don't think are terribly hard to get in most I mean or maybe that I don't know, I don't want to diminish that. Like it's all it's all trouble. But it's just um I don't know. It's just like the fact that it's like it's so reckless and so like, like openly unethical <laughs> in it's, terms of how they're just yeah. treated. Like, because that's all that's how most capitalism, especially at that scale, operates. Yeah, is that like wild, ex- like, um, what's the word? Like, like carelessness, carelessness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, towards <laughs> and people. Then, and then, like, the the executives, like, was it like the CEO came out later and he was just like, oh no, it's all like had a sob story and everything. It's like. It's hard to feel sympathetic for someone, like for a group of like leaders that are so irresponsible. Yeah, it's like in this case, it's like I don't, I don't pay enough attention to things like this to be honest. But in this case, it feels like it doesn't take much breaking down to understand how extremely irresponsible <laughs> so much of it was yeah. in hindsight. Because I, I definitely wasn't thinking about it in those terms mm. until recently. Oh, hundred percent. Hindsight, it's so frustrating. Yeah, like it seemed like for the past like especially since COVID that Embracer group was like it couldn't do anything wrong like it was just growing like it's just kept printing money somehow and just kept acquiring studios and now I guess because <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. got started yeah. so I think I kind of assumed I was like okay if they're doing this they must be sure of something and I guess they just weren't <laughs> no no clearly not yeah, yeah. well I guess uh, that's that's the news this week for Embracer Group. We'll we'll see what happens next week. What other like long tenured studio is in jeopardy? Which uh, it is kind uh, of amazing that as soon as the Microsoft stuff kind of more or less wrapped up, this started happening. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Like it really like it was like almost guy. immediately. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. I think uh, we'll we'll go from Embracer Group to another breakup. This time it's ReadPop and the Electronic Software Association, uh, most most uh, most notably known for uh, the ESRB, which I mentioned earlier, as well as the E3 convention that happens every year. So uh, I think it was just last year that ReadPop, which also runs the PAX events and EGX and uh, a few different, like basically all the major game events around the world, PAX Australia, PAX West, PAX Prime, uh, uh, EGX, and the PC Gamer Show, I think is also one of theirs as well, um, basically uh, was brought on last year to help the ESA to basically look after and run the E3 convention. That kind of went off to a rocky start because E3 2023 was cancelled outright. <laughs> And even E3 2024 seemed a bit shaky as to whether or not it was going to happen. And I guess now that both companies have decided to part ways, maybe potentially could be some internal disagreements there. But it, it the, this, 
we got the standard um kind of like amicable appearing breakup where you know everyone kind of wishes each other best of luck and everything so uh it's hard to tell right now what exactly has happened but i you know these things have a ha- these things have a habit of having people like you know i guess as as the months or the years go on like you know as NDAs expire and things, you, you probably start hearing about what exactly happened here. But I think part of it is, bec- I think a lot of it is the fact that potentially Reed Pop couldn't find a way to host or to organize E3 in a way that was profitable, given how well Summer Games Fest and the the abundance of you know publisher or console manufacturer specific presentations that un- don't require you know the ESA's um involvement or even Jeff Keeley's for you know the like the the game awards people like their involvement like uh, I think uh, that has a lot to do with probably why this didn't work out yeah I, I guess so it's, it's hard to say I feel too ignorant <laughs> on the overall situation there in a lot of ways but it's just like um it's like i don't know like i, I imagine like in my head i imagine it just comes down to esa had one view of it read pop had another and it just wasn't coming together plus like it was clearly not coming together in just a general sense in terms of we can't figure out how to do this convention anymore mm. and it's we're running out of time <laughs> because it's yeah. an annual event that they need to date and organize um so i don't know like that would be my guess but i really don't know but I, like it makes me wonder with i was thinking when this news initially hit with read pop and esa um breaking up is um like it makes me wonder if that with e3 they should just kind of go not in that it, they should just kind of go back to where it was as like just kind of re just keep just do an industry conference again mm. without the desire to expand it into a giant consumer centric conference like i know that's very different but it's just like i was like thinking it's like is that like the only way they can kind of move forward now though because no one else no one seems to really want it i mean yeah. or not people want it but it's just like it's not that kind of situation where it's like you need to find a purpose and that purpose seems to be really hard to find a, a good one <laughs> um so far and i was like in my head it's like just you know take it back to basics it's like but it's like you know not sure that's going to make money or anything but it does seem like it could have a role in the industry and mm-hmm. like in the gaming landscape if you kind of bring it back down a bit but i don't know how realistic that is it's probably not very realistic at all i imagine but that's yeah. all that's what i've had in my head lately yeah well yeah it's yeah i think it's i think we, we've talked about it multiple times about e3 and yeah like summer games first has kind of taken over from a public facing announcement perspective thing so maybe e3 might be more better suited to being a a you know once again an industry specific event for insiders investors and and just publications and maybe and that wouldn't really gel well with read pops focus on public facing events so maybe Mm -hmm. that's why they they had to split apart because the direction is changing and this is like the the symptom of it one of the the first symptoms of it but i guess we'll we'll find out over the next i guess like six months or so 
whether or not there will be an E3 2024, and if so, what, and if it, if there will be one, what it will be, because that'll be the interesting thing to find out. I thought they already cancelled it. I think that's part of the announcement. Uh, oh, I thought it was. Oh, maybe I don't know. We'll see. I guess. No, I, I maybe I I read it like interpreted it incorrectly. Okay. Yeah. Basically, okay. So the ESA has confirmed that the LA Convention Center is not going to host any show in 2024, but it hasn't hasn't officially announced that it's cancelled E3. Um, But it did say that it's working on uh, more plans for 2025. But whether or not that means, uh, you know, just the LA Convention Center or ESA... (laughs) In general, I guess I guess that that'll probably come out in the next couple, like the next few days, as as uh, everything gets confirmed. But you know, I think I think we've said enough about E three <laughs> a few <laughs> times. So <laughs> I'll, I'll move on to the the next couple of stories, which are some pretty senior figures in the gaming industry stepping down from their respective companies. The first being Donald Mustard, which sounds like a fake, like it sounds like a fake. <laughs> Sounds like an, some sort of Donald Trump troll account on Twitter or something, oh. but it's, it's actually a real real name. So, uh, Donald Mustard... He sounds like someone who'd mur- murder someone in the kitchen with a candlestick. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Is that a Cluedo reference? Yes, I thought that's what you were going to say. Oh, damn, I should have. I should have. Um, no, this one is... Uh, this one is coming uh, from the source himself. So Donald Mustard, who uh, was most recently known as the Chief Creative Officer at Epic Games, has stepped down from his role uh, as CCO at the, the the I guess what's most most notably known for Fortnite and Unreal Engine. So uh, he actually so he he actually got a very very prolific career in the video game industry um from undertow which is one of the like one of the first popular xbox live arcade like downloadable only titles uh to shadow complex which is like a uh a very well like critically acclaimed metroidvania style uh downloadable title for the xbox 360 generation uh most famously it was kind of uh, caught a little bit of controversy because it was discovered that the games was the, like the world, the law of it was um, written by Orson Scott Card, who uh, you know the guy behind Ender's Game. Ender's right? Game. That's right. I was like yeah. <laughs> that that Harrison Ford <laughs> space movie that, that movie everyone remembers <laughs> <laughs> that isn't Star Wars. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Uh, that that guy was like, oh, homophobia. Sorry, he was very homophobic and saying like, oh, you know, homosexuality and stuff was uh, like some sort of dysfunction rather than, you know, a genuine identity. So, yeah, so that mm. that's kind of why it caught flack back in the day. Also uh, known for uh, the Infinity Blade trilogy uh, that were, you know, on, on iPad and iOS back in the day. So they were kind of like Punch-Out meets Skyrim. <laughs> like it was like... Yeah, it was like sword combat and it's very timing based and stuff, but it was like very they were like kind of graphical showpieces for the for the, for mobile phones back 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 when they were kind of new. So and then um 
and then yeah he he was so chair entertainment which is the company that he started and then that got uh, i think got acquired by epic games or his he closed that down and then moved his team across to epic games and then he was um yeah he was the i guess you could say like one of the the most prominent creative figures behind Fortnite and uh Fortnite Battle Royale so i don't know were, were you like you, you 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 play a lot of Fortnite, so was it was he someone that was really well known, like like Jeff Kaplan? <laughs> I was not I was not aware of him to be honest. I, like I was, um, and I was like, I haven't been playing Fortnite that long. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I was not aware of Mustard. He sounds like a very pivotal figure mm. in the industry for knowing that I keep track of everyone at all. But yeah, um, I am surprised I wasn't aware of him much. Mm. But I guess it makes sense if you kind of. He was like within the epic, <laughs> yeah, the epic like family. world for a while, or forever, basically, more or less. You yeah. know, for a long, very, very long time. So it makes sense that I hadn't really become aware of him at all. But yeah. he sounds important. Yeah, <laughs> he guess. sounds very um, significant. I guess like in his for the, um, <laughs> this week's old man of beer moment. Like I remember when Undertow and Shadow Complex were talked about, like were new games and and were like previewed and upcoming and. And being talked about in podcasts, I br- I've brought up Shadow Complex. Yeah, you recently. have. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you brought that up a couple of episodes ago. But yeah, he's he's the guy behind, like some of the, some of the first like kind of really, really popular downloadable, like quote unquote indie games. I guess you could say. Mm. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like yeah. it's kind of interesting how he's on he's on the forefront of a certain, like on the digital like downloadable titles yeah. like that sphere of games you know way that wasn't completely obvious yeah and then with like battle royale being the the main moment <laughs> i guess in that sense of yeah. like jumping on a trend or not just a trend but using a like um exp- like leveraging a the digital platform mm. to create something that you know becomes far bigger than it was necessarily yeah. intended to be Though I'm not sure if that describes all of what we're talking about, but yeah. still, it, it feels feels crazy. Familiar. Like going from like a you know a team of a handful of people making like games that had budgets below a million dollars or so, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars or something, to like you know hundreds of employees in his team probably, and and you know millions and millions of dollars spent on on the game and and generating billions in revenue. Like it's it's a crazy journey. Like you've put that on your resume. That's a that's a pretty I have a feeling that when he comes back, you know, he goes on a sabbatical, takes a break, and then comes back. I don't think he's going to have any problems <laughs> getting a job. I think he's technically retiring. He's Isn't yeah, he's, yeah. But I feel like, uh, like oh, maybe just from the job, yeah, yeah. I like it's sort of red. It's kind of one of those things where it's um, like he's only forty-seven, and I feel like in the games industry, like nowadays, like that's not the end of the line. I think now people like keep making games, like especially someone who's so passionate. Like I feel like creative people like this, they just can't stay away. It's just one of those things. Who knows? Like I, I could be completely wrong, and he's retiring on his like sitting on his pile of millions, just <laughs> of his. Well, I think butts. it's like I imagine it's like most developers or just people who reach that sort of level in industries tend to be workhorses yeah. to a ridiculous degree so i imagine he's come back for that reason alone <laughs> yeah yeah 
some way. Or I another. mean, yeah. What like once you once you've um, once you've gotten bored of swimming in like you know your mountain of money, <laughs> like you, maybe like you want to you want to do something again. You, you'll come back. <laughs> um, well, uh, another departure is Stig Asmussen, who is leaving Respawn Entertainment. He's most recently known for being the creative director for Star Wars Fallen... Sorry, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and... Survivor. Survivor. I was trying to... <laughs> I was like, what was the other... I was like, I was like thinking, like, Fallen Jedi? No, that that's not right. <laughs> They're fair titles to forget. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, according to a report this um, from earlier today... Uh, from Bloomberg, Stig Asmussen has left EA, and um, this was confirmed by uh, Kotaku later in the day. Um, he was also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he also had, I think he was one of the, I'm pretty sure he was um, like the lead on one of the God of Wars, I feel like back in the day. Yeah, God of War. Uh, like the God of War, he was the art director on God of War Two and Chains of Olympus, and he was the main director for God of War Three. Okay. Yeah. So, because I, I remember, because like David Jaffe was like the first, like kind of you know the creator of Twisted Metal, then God of War, then Corey Barlog did God of War Two, and then Stig took over for Number Three, and yeah. So it's yeah, it, there's there's some shared pedigree there, so it's pretty cool to see. Uh, that, you know, um, I guess like to see what what the next thing, next challenge will be for him. Like he's he's been, like he he he's even worked on like the Mortal Kombat reboot, um, like from two thousand. When did that reboot come out? Two thousand nine. So he's like he's credited yeah, with some so. of the oh. like additional additional directorial work for that. So you know, it's pretty pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah it's like i'm not super like i was aware of him already but yeah i don't know it, yeah it's very um it's more interesting to think about where he was going to go next <laughs> mm. i think overall yeah 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 so yeah now uh, will be exciting to see who knows maybe he'll he'll uh found the next major third person action franchise just uh yeah <laughs> maybe start like star trek's that. turn <laughs> star trek's turn now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, how about we take a, a short break and then uh, talk about the the last piece of news, which uh, which I think in and of itself is going <laughs> to have a fair bit to it. John, this last news story is quite. There's quite a bit of shadiness going on here, and it seems like our good friend, good friends over at Unity Technologies, or at least the the upper management, seem to be up to, seem like they've been up to no good over the past like week or so. Yeah, I think uh, it makes me think it's like it feels like we have a rogues gallery now as we <laughs> keep running through the same people. There's Roblox, there's Unity, <laughs> there's, uh, there's Embracer. It's like it's like it's like your A tier villains and your B tier villains, and this is like your C tier now. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, not quite as iconic. They just suck. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this um, this week's news around Unity, it all basically centers around a new um, controversial fee they've suddenly announced and are implementing at the start of next year called the runtime fee. Um, this fee is based on the number of installations a game built with Unity, um, their, their game engine they develop, um, number of installations a game built with Unity receives, as well as the revenue it generates. Um, so based on what they how they've described it, the runtime fee will apply to any game that has reached a previously established annual revenue threshold and a lifetime install count, which means it kind of... It, um, it applies retroactively to a point as well. Um, so it applies on like the revenue part is important. So it applies differently depending on how much money these individual games have made. Um, yeah. So games developed with the lower cost Unity Personal and Unity Plus plans um, that have reached um, threshold at, um, at $200,000 US uh, um, revenue in one year and 200,000 lifetime installs um, that will be when the runtime fee kicks in um, Unity Pro and Unity M- Enterprise accounts must reach 1 million in revenue and 1 million lifetime installs um, Unity Personal and Unity Plus devs will have to pay um, that 20 cents mm. for every game installed past their subscription specific um, thresholds yeah so once once the fee kicks in rather um, Unity Pro devs will have to um, pay between 0.2 cents and, wait, is that right? Two cents? Two yeah, cents. two was, cents and 15 <laughs> cents. I'm reading it wrong. <laughs> two cents <laughs> and 15 cents for every um, for every install. And Unity Enterprise devs will have to pay between um, one cent and 0.125 cents. <laughs> I'm losing, losing uh, 12.5 cents. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's... So basically, if your game is doing well, you got to pay extra back to them. Yes. Um, yeah, so naturally this led to a lot of confusion in the game dev scene. Um, they were very vocal about it, um, which I think is not the most... That's kind of happened recently with Unity as well, <laughs> with a few times lately, um, that kind of response to something they've suddenly announced. Um, lots of devs have chimed in. We won't kind of report all of it. Um, one kind of stood out to me based on this is based on Kotaku's report, by the way. So one that um, Kotaku's report um, mentioned themselves um, said that from Rust developer Gary Newman, he posted on Twitter like a number of you know it's kind of immediate questions he had as a game dev was like Unity can start charging us a tax per install. They can do this unilaterally. They can charge whatever they want. They can add install tracking to games to our games. And we have to trust their tracking as well, which is like, that's the big one Fair to questions. me. That's the Fair one. Questions. That, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not, there's a lot of questions very instantly. And yeah. Unity have also not been great at answering them well enough based on how they've generally mm-hmm. responded so far. Um, there are also questions about how piracy factors into a system like this, as well as the abuse by bad actors, you know, like, you know, people who review bomb things for, very immature reasons or bad reasons or have you, whatever, whatever reason they have bad actors who are willing to install and reinstall and then just go on and on to try and like, um, you know, push up the costs that the developer has to pay just through that act alone. 
Um, Unity says they have fraud detection systems and it will allow developers to report abuse, but it's kind of easy to see how game devs would not implicitly trust a statement like that when it amounts to a automatically generated bill that they otherwise mm-hmm. didn't have to deal with and also no one else has to deal with that doesn't use unity it's like it's a big thing to suddenly pull um yeah yeah, so generally there's a lot of confusion about how it's operating and unity aren't haven't really clarified enough partly and which kind of implies so far to some people that they don't quite know themselves um yeah also on top of this runtime fee um unity plus subscriptions have been eliminated um, as part of their tiers of plans for the engine, um, users have been automatically switched over to Unity Pro. Um, game developer John Dracy he shared that the price difference for annual the annual sub will be thirty three hundred dollars more than before. Like apparently the next, if you Unity is like uh, giving people who are already on the plan like the next year at the current price on this upgraded on unity yeah. pro but that doesn't necessarily mean much when games take multiple years to make and budgets are extremely important yeah to projects and, like and, that and, and and to like for context like they w- so there was unity personal unity plus unity pro and then unity enterprise so going from basically now you're so either you're personal so just like seems like just one person to plus which was more for like small teams now you're not. You're just going straight to one. To you you're, you're going from a personal plan to the pro plan, which is designed for you know a larger team. With that, mm. and you don't have the option to to find that middle ground anymore. Whether mm. you're if you're if you're renewing or if you're coming into it fresh, I guess now. Yeah, exactly. It's like Unity, such a is seems like exactly the engine for those kind of teams too. So they are really yeah. trying to put the squeeze on people who may not have a choice or probably just them really because <laughs> most mm. game developers know the kind of engines they have access to and it probably means makes the most sense for certain projects for what you know numerous reasons and now they're just trying to squeeze even more money out of them yeah. on top of the runtime fee these <laughs> yeah. are two separate instances in the same announcement uh, of them trying to do yeah. that um yeah and foreshadowing um unity's stock prices took a pretty significant diff after right after this announcement happened um and it turns out that senior executives in unity have suddenly or not suddenly they sold off shares before making the announcement um yes this comes through a report from kotaku um and in them referencing the site guru focus um Guru Focus found that the Unity CEO, John Riccatelio, um, is one of the highest paid execs in gaming generally. He sold 2,000 Unity shares on September 6, a week prior to the September 12 announcement. Um, and this actually follows a trend from him that he's been steadily selling shares throughout the year, a total of 50,610 shares this year, and has purchased none. Like a lot. Yes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> when 2,000 feels like shadiness, 50,000 feels like a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also according to according to Unity's market 
activity on the NASDAQ. Several other Unity board members have done the same. Um, so Chief uh, Toma Barzeev, the Unity's president of growth, sold 37,500 shares on September, um, September 1st for roughly a million four hundred thousand US dollars. <laughs> and board director oh, Shlomo Dovrad, <laughs> which doesn't sound real, um, sold 68,000 shares. <laughs> It's like when I said Shlomo, it's like, oh, wait, that doesn't sound right. It, it doesn't <laughs> that's matter. true, that's true. Just, I just haven't heard it before. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, sold 68,000 shares on August 30th for around $2,500,000. So it's... um My God. And these are all US dollars as well, mind you. Yes. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, oh. Yeah, so it's just... Isn't, yeah. Isn't this have, insider trading? Like, isn't this... I thought that's the whole thing is like you can't, you can't make massive deals... Like, if you know that there's going to be a significant news event or something like that, like, you can't, you know, offload or make transactions that that benefit you. Isn't that the whole point of that kind of the SEC and all that stuff in America? Like, I think so. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds bad. I don't think I have the energy to, like, conspiracize about <laughs> it. But, like, well, I guess there's not much to yeah. Like, it just seems like they're knowingly doing shitty things and running yes. this company in the ground Yeah, while they the try to benefit like, from it. Like, on top of the fact that, you know, all these other announcements have up- upset the community that the company is, you know, selling to and its most loyal customers, apparently... That also, that reduced, you know, that dropped shares, share price. And then when you learn that, you know, senior senior board members, all the, you know, executives are offloading tens of thousands of shares, that makes, you know, shareholders lose faith. Then they'll keep, they'll sell. And then eventually devalues like all the shares because you just diluted all the shares um, out there. And like, it's like kind of like a, a spiral. Like, I, I'm seriously wondering like how long unity has left to mm. continue with this current leadership because it, it, it seems like it's hemorrhaging a lot of money and a lot of good faith like i remember when unity was like i mean you, you mentioned it before like unity is, seems to be like it was the go-to engine for developers who couldn't quite you know for for a lot of indie developers who you know didn't need who had games that didn't require the you know, this, the, the full-on capabilities and scale of Unreal Engine, but they couldn't, you know, they didn't have the resources to make their own in-house engine. They would that license was, um, Unity. That was before and, Unreal became, like, yeah, so freely friendly. accessible, too. Exactly. Like that, so it's like, yeah. that's where, you know, Unity existed in a very important point in yeah, time, like you know? Unity yeah. was loved. Mm. It was like the goat, it was like a no-brainer. Yeah, you got a, you got a, you got a smaller style of game you're on unity and you know now it's like unity became this huge mega corporate you know company and then it's just its identity is just like its reputation is being shredded like i feel like every few months there's like more bad news yeah it doesn't sound like it's getting much better no like there's no reason to you know yeah which it's a bummer so I don't know that it's. I mean, there are a lot of talented people at Unity, and the fact that Unity is such a 
like household name when it comes to you know the video game industry is it, like that's not that's nothing to sneeze at like that's still a huge accomplishment so clearly there's a, there's a lot of talent and there are a lot of passionate people who still care but it just seems like they're not the people who are running the company that's the problem yeah like i feel like yeah. that's when you like when we talk say it out loud it's like man all these things seem true generally of most things but it's like yeah. i think it's like most companies gaming or otherwise whatever but in this case it feels like unity is so like openly you know being kind of i guess what's the word like ransacked almost <laughs> by the yeah. executives in charge yeah it's just um They're yeah just like cashing kind of, out while they can yeah so it's just like it's just not it's just kind of painful to witness almost yeah because like again yeah. like this stuff isn't especially rare but it's kind of gross to see it being done so openly and so shamelessly at the yeah. expense of the game developer industry that on the lower level, you know, like not the highest levels yeah. that make a lot of money and can afford a lot. These are yeah. deliberately squeezing the smaller guys generally, yeah. which is, yeah, not okay. Mm. Yeah, well, on that note... <laughs> Man, this is a bummer, wasn't it? <laughs> Damn, we should have put this like in some other... like. I don't know. I feel like no matter what news we had, there wasn't really much that was like a positive thing. Maybe we could have said, "Oh yeah, the the um the Switch Two won't have faulty joysticks." Yeah, it also <laughs> like yeah, we didn't have any like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't really much like yeah. outright positive stuff. Yeah, it was either like, neutral yeah. or bad. <laughs> yeah, or. You know, your $2,000 iPhone now plays games of the same quality as your $500 Xbox Series S. Like, that's like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the other thing. So, anyway, um, yeah, well, you know, I guess that's that's the way the cookie crumbles when it it comes to the news that comes out. You know, hopefully uh, next week we'll have a lot more positive stuff to talk about, uh, including the, I guess, the, the news coming out of the the Nintendo Direct and Sony State of Play presentations tomorrow, which, you know, hey, that that's something to look forward to. I, th- I think it's always good when there are some um, some some things that are going to get announced because I think both of those presentations are about upcoming releases, mm. uh, which is which is always fun. I think, yeah. I think everyone's um, always looking forward to that. And uh, I think um, I think let's let's talk about some of the stuff we've been playing and watching uh, over the past week. I know for me, I've been, I, I got to play another eight hours of Starfield. So, uh, I've, uh, I've I've actually been enjoying it more. Like I've I finally installed the DLSS mod. I f- uh, I fixed the FOV with a like a like a like a custom file, and managed to still get achievements. So that seems to be working so far. I've had some hilarious bugs, <laughs> where like you know NPC like one of them where like one of, one of the locations you go to very early on is Mars and you, you kind of it's like basically an like a really old mining colony and there's only like a couple of kids on the on on in, on the station and 
I was like helping out one of the kids and I was talking to him and then in the dialogue like he's full on looking at me with you know you know the Bethesda thing where the where the NPC's bodies turned another way but their faces turned towards you so it's like <laughs> it's like they're weirdly looking over their shoulder in a very unrealistic like you know like they've <laughs> you know like there's some sort of horror like some sort of doll from a horror movie and the kid was like turned towards me and and kind of moving and walking but because he was walking into like the wall he was just kind of clipping and like it was looked like he was you know when people do that joke where they say oh, I'm going to walk down the stairs and they just stand in one spot and they just keep ducking lower and lower it just looked like that but I, I don't know I just to me I find that charming <laughs> right it's like, it's like just funny things like that it's just like uh, man and I had one where <laughs> uh, you know Lynn like your your supervisor from the beginning of the game you like you know I don't think it's much of a spoiler but you get the chance to recruit her as part of your crew later on in a later mission and <laughs> the first time like I loaded the ship with her as part of my crew she, she was clipped through the floor, so only her head was like bobbing up and down on top of the, the, the like the floor. So it looked like you know she was like trying to she was like paddling in water, like you know treading water, but through a solid object. And she was full on having a like a like we we're having a full on conversation. I was asking about her husband and like her, her history and everything. It's a like full on really like emotional scene, and she's bobbing <laughs> up and down. <laughs> clipping through the floor like oh god Bethesda just oh <laughs> <laughs> have you had uh, a- any any funny like moments like that in the game uh, not really actually not not much in terms of bugginess I think I've had here and there but nothing that I stood out too much I probably took a yeah. screenshot of something <laughs> hang on <laughs> I'll check I definitely took something recently <laughs> but it was probably Starfield yeah, yeah like it? that um what is it like the i don't know like uh, like I'm, oh, no, it's, it's interesting so far yeah because yeah. i like i've i've got my gripes still yeah but nothing like in my opinion i wasn't of it overall hasn't changed much though like yeah. i've enjoyed parts of it i don't enjoy other parts of it but it's like my like not enjoying it is like it's very um like <laughs> like uh, unenergetic i guess like i can't feel i don't feel much towards the game and yeah. i still don't after playing a bunch of it over the weekend or so yeah and it's like i i like i kind of don't mind aspects of it but there's not much i can say that i genuinely like yeah but like a lot of it is just very like it's like i said something last week about because i wrote it down and then i said it out right <laughs> it was about how um it's like it's it's a very like it's a way to spend your your time doing something broadly entertaining yeah. you know yeah and it's just like that does, that's not inherently bad but it does feel very empty <laughs> for the most part unless you find yeah. a way to make it more memorable and i think i kind of struggle to do that with bethesda games i kind of get sucked into oh, okay. the designed core gameplay loop of shooting crap finding junk to do whatever with and it's just um and doing quests that you probably don't feel much towards I have yeah. found a couple of quests that I quite like. Um, there was one on Mars that I really liked where it starts yeah. off with you having to go mine a couple of things and then you get sucked into this little 
silly cons- like pretty like pretty low cool. stakes conspiracy <laughs> yeah. with all these like nothing characters that are all kind of weird and it's just yeah. like that was like the only one of the only quests so far where it's just like it didn't mean much or anything but it was like well plotted and paced and like it was yeah. just kind of a um it was like almost like a sitcom plot in just how <laughs> like how kind of like yeah um how much it didn't wasn't trying to like make me like it wasn't like the constellation quests like the main story quests or a lot of the Mm. story like main quests where they're trying to like convince you to that things are serious and that these characters are serious and you need to care about what's happening and it's like that one was such a like it was so lighthearted and like which i think is good (laughs) yeah it's like it's like it's just uh, yeah um yeah it's really cool like um I don't know. I, I did one of the quests like in New Atlantis where I was investigating, you know, like just kind of helping out the characters just here and there. And it's just like one of them was like investigating why the power's been going out and it turns out to be some sort of like you uncover some sort of like shady like underground operation happening and things like that. And like it's kind of cool. Uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's i don't know like with the constellation stuff i don't know how seriously i can take it because like every time i'm with sarah like it'll do things where she's like talking where she's like you know what because because the 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 companion characters they'll do like they'll have dialogue that they're saying um like in reaction to the their surroundings or you know characters other characters around and then, mm. like, in the middle of that, she'll be saying something, and then I'll enter a conversation, but she's still talking her dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot, in general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's, like, every time I'm, like, getting into it, and I'm, like, okay, this, like, I'm role-playing, right? Yeah. Then, and then I see, like, oh, okay, I, I, I don't actually, uh, like, I, this isn't serious. Like, this game yeah. is it's like, very much a video game. Yeah, on that note, because like I'm looking at my notes that I've been taken down, and one mm. that I had last time that I didn't mention is how um, I think I think it's like it's probably part of it is in contrast to Baldur's Gate because I played it before mm. this. Yeah, even though I haven't been playing it a ton lately, but it's like it's the di- there's always going to be like a strong contrast there, just because Baldur's Gate is quite high quality in this particular respect of dialogue and. No, I'm not trying to be. I'm not. I'm generally not trying yeah. to dig. It's just. It's not a thing Bethesda is known for being amazing at, basically. And yeah. Baldur's Gate is known for being very good at it. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. But what like stood out to me was how um, it, re- it reminded me of Fallout Four, kind of. If my memory is any good, is that it's. Um, I find it very hard to role play and feel like I'm playing an actual character with a lot of the speech options given. Mm. It's like. It feel it feels like kind of a little bit railroaded, and there's very little neutrality in a lot of the responses you can make. Because like yeah. what I put, uh, what I how I wrote it down is like it feels like I'm soft locked to either broadly heroic, dirtbag mercenary, or just straight up dirtbag, and yeah. it doesn't feel like there's any sort of like Nuance. you have to be one of those. <laughs> you yeah. have to be like a good guy, or you have to go all the way into being kind of shitty. It's and very Mass Effect one. I in guess way, I don't yeah. Know, yeah I don't remember yeah. that actually but it's like yeah. it like that's kind of what stood out to me with Baldur's Gate in yeah. hindsight is that you can a lot of the options you pick for your dialogue ends up like 
they can be really well written a lot of the time, but they're also designed in a way that they don't feel like they're trying to override the character you're trying to create and project onto the character you created. In this case, it doesn't feel like I have, it feels like I have very few options in that regard. And And it seems to be very much like the top dialogue is either like special dialogue that one of your abilities unlocks and then it's like, this is the positive one, this is the more grumpy one and the one at the bottom is always the aggressive one. Yeah, and yeah. Th- it's just it just seems to be that's just the way it is, and and it does that thing where it's like you read something and it doesn't sound bad, but then and because your character doesn't speak, so you just click on a line, and then the 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 person you're speaking with is like gets offended, and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> it's just like yeah, because a lot of it's like I've things that have been solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the time, like or not a lot of the time, but it's come up a bunch of times already. Is like having a few options of dialogue and none of them are what I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> They're all like, you know, like uh, there was, um, I just started one that was for um, whatever, like the galaxy cops are <laughs> where you need to like infiltrate the pirates. I'm um, like oh, the very yeah, start yeah, of that yeah. quest. And Is like you're talking Vanguard to the, like, something? I don't know. something like that. Yeah. Um, but you're like talking to this, um, the guy in charge and it, like, he's being very obviously presented as like very smart and generally probably smarter than you like very self-aware of mm. the situation and what you're capable of and so on and so forth and the options you have to talk to him are like so dumb <laughs> and you know he's just gonna like put you down <laughs> by saying something like what are these options like none of these are good <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I like the only option i have that doesn't sound dumb is like just saying something broadly agreeable and it's like i don't want that either yeah. it's like it's, it's just i don't know it's, it, it's happened a few times yeah and ultimately and, and i haven't it, actually yeah um oh, sorry, oh, okay. no i was gonna say and then it's like like i've my character's got that persuasion ability right and it's like got like okay this one is a plus four plus three plus one and i have no idea what that means like i'm just like so yeah that system's kind of rough like does that mean okay it says plus four does that mean i need five points in it because it only goes up to level four so i don't know how it works like it's oh. Like yeah, it, like yeah. yeah, like the persuasion system in Starfield. For those who haven't played it as well, it's like basically it's like this. Technically, it's this sub mini game where you have like multiple dialogue options, mm. or you have you have like you have to fill up a bar for the persuasion to like succeed. It could okay. be like four pips or like six, depending on the difficulty. And each response is like colored like red, yellow. or red yellow or green and green yeah. is the easiest to pull off but they all they all seem to have a some random amount of chance related to it that's yeah. completely undefined aside from its color and the amount of points <laughs> yeah. you get so riskier means you're going to get more points and you know but they're green more likely means, to yeah so like i end up just like or something yeah but it's like they can always fail and you have no role in that because it reminded me of yeah. what i was saying about Baldur's gate where when i was talked about that a few weeks ago saying that i really like adding role checks to stuff like that Mm. where it's like but it's like this isn't really a game like they've kind of done something like that but it feels extremely out of your hands because you don't actually see the chance happening you're just told it fails or something like you're just like because the choice you're making is just you're just gambling on this like completely undefined chance every time and whether you succeed or fail is like based on basically nothing like aside from, I guess mm. your per- persuasion skill, but yeah. it doesn't feel like much. Either you're really good at it or you're not, and the game doesn't really 
define yeah. that. Yeah, and it's and it's like things like other thing other systems like I didn't know how to store things in my ship because your ship's got cargo hold and I had to like look at, like I have to look up so many things that I feel like should just be easy to understand. Like apparently, like to put things in your ship, you gotta like like there's a control panel that is behind your cockpit, but. Uh. Unless you're like looking around and like w- looking for prompts to pop up, you wouldn't see it. And yeah, it I've completely lost yeah. where that is on the base ship. But also, like the way yeah. way I've gotten to it is just like you. I think you're mainly meant to get to your like open your inventory and then you press like Q and then yeah. you have to like press it again. <laughs> it's weird. Like yeah, you, it's it's, it's really out of the way. Yeah. yeah, and like I would dump things on my companion. Like like I'll go to a shop and I'll be like, okay. I'm, Okay, I'm, I'm incumbent now, so I gotta give shit to my companion. And then I'm, when I get to the shop, I'll I'll start the selling process. And I'm like, oh crap! I realize it's with my companion, so I gotta get out of the 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 shop dialogue, select my companion, do the trade, wait for them to speak their dialogue, and then go into like the inventory, swap it over, take all the shit off them, and then give it to and then give it to the person. And it's just like, um. Like it's just like things like that where you're like, so I can access my ship without having to leave this menu, <laughs> but I can't access what my companion has yeah. right next to me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, because that's another gripe I ended up writing about is that inventory management in this game in particular for a Bethesda game is extremely tedious and it's really not very yeah. good because all their games are basically now about junk collecting, <laughs> mainly Fallout, yeah. but they're all like that. Or it's mainly yeah. about like, but in this game, one, there's so much heavy shit in this game. Yeah. Yep. Suits and weapons and stuff. I Maybe I'm misremembering, but it seems like a lot of the basic gear you get is generally quite heavy compared to a lot yeah. of basic stuff you get in their other games. And But it uses the same basic like numbers, you know, like the yeah. like amount you can carry and the amount that stuff can hold is generally yeah. very similar to the previous games. Yeah. Except stuff is heavier, and because of the resources system, there's way more of it, and it's really yeah. easy to collect so much of it. Yeah. But you're right, like about the like the ship and your um, companions. There's so many in this game as well. There's so many more, or at least it seems to be so many more ways to store stuff, and none yeah. of it's unified, and none yeah. of it is like explained well in terms of like how you're meant to kind of deal with it because it's like you gather you gather resources so quickly and that's used for crafting and base building and stuff but i run out of space so quickly especially for resources especially when it comes to the expense of gear that i kind of value a bit more that's why i just stopped like now i just did the thing where you go to the lodge and you just you know you, you you grab the 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 really high level gear from the like the mannequin (laughs) <laughs> just do that. Oh, have, yeah. have you seen that exploit? I don't know. You, you know, in the lodge, um, if you go, like, you unlock one of the doors downstairs and there's like that, it was like the Parasite-esque, like, it's like the un- like the bunker from, like, the movie Parasite or, like, a, it's like yeah. all these, a whole bunch of, like, laboratories underground and in one of them you see a glass case with a spacesuit, like a high-level Constellation spacesuit, which you're meant to, like, I think later on you get like some sort of master key that'll unlock it. Or what you could do is go right up to the cabinet 
and like kind of shimmy until you can select the mannequin that all the stuff's on and then you just take everything from the mannequin and then you just wear it and you've got like level 100 plus stats already Christ. <laughs> so that's right. what i was like i was like okay i'll do that and um and then like what i've been doing is uh, like hardcore leveling up my i think i don't know is it weightlifting so i can carry more shit so i don't even have to think about it see because so. that's like i I ended up putting a point in weightlifting yeah. just because I was like I needed the space at the time, so I think I just kind of got it. But it's like yeah. it's like it's not something I don't want to hold more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of want it to be more manageable because right yeah. now I'm just selling all my resources now, so I just can't do a lot of the crafting ju- related stuff anymore. Yeah, I, I just, just I just, I just like, can't be bothered. And so I just got to a point. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna not even care about the crafting. Like I'm just not gonna care about all those systems. I'm just gonna buy like. I will just get the better shit as I go along in the game. Yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's like it's yeah. not like trying to deal with it any other way feels like yeah. just a waste of time at best. Exactly, you know? and you're not really getting like it says. Oh, this thing's valued at you know, you know, Oh, this one's worth 400 credits, and then you go to a shop. It's worth they're going to give it to you for 40. So it's like so. Then now I have to go. I haven't maybe I haven't gone far enough, traveled the galaxy enough to find a shop that's going to give me a fair price. So mm. it's like, I'm, why am I? Ca- so I just stopped. I'm just like, you know, get, like I don't care anymore. Like, I'll I'll just do quests and I'll get credits that way, and I yeah. don't even have to worry about it. So I think that's like, like why am I carrying around eight like eight modified maelstroms <laughs> and give them all to my companion? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right we're at yeah, 90 minutes anyway. so i'll try and run through my gripes quickly because yeah. i don't think i've got to Go talk it. about it again um yeah uh next is like um starfield's like extremely reliant on waypoints and fast travel which i think we mentioned last mm-hmm. time yep but what it made me realize is that like i don't like um i think the way you engage with the game and the world means that i'm finding it very like i have very little basic geography of yeah. the world like yeah. I like because I, I realized that when I realized I don't know where New Atlantis is, <laughs> it's like I lost uh-huh. where it was as I was going to different systems, and it's like, wait, oh, where's that yeah. is? And I realized I need. It's like, oh wait, what? I have a quest that goes there. That's easy. That's but the I only. One, I didn't yeah. have any other way I could remember of obviously like jumping back to major hubs. So I've yeah. lost where Achilles is too. Because <laughs> I think there's I think there's icons on the map that have like little like cities next to different systems. Oh, okay. I think that's what's meant to signify. But at the time, I was thinking, it's like, I just, I literally don't know where any of this stuff is. And this, <laughs> there's so many systems and it seems yeah. so easy to get lost in this sense. So, cause like, cause you're just Fair jumping enough. around to like basically empty landscape bubbles of yeah. open worlds yeah. just over and over again. And you're not actually doing a lot of the traveling yourself. You're just kind of using menus to jump 100% between places. Like it's, it's just a, like I think we talked about it last week. Like it feels like it's a full on. Sp- you, you know, you're you're going through the galaxy. Like you're you're technically traveling like light years of distance, but because you're just like everything's just like a menu away. Like that system is super well, like, um, well optimized in a way that it's yeah. like it's too well optimized. Yeah. Whereas like- everything else is very backwards and unoptimized yeah oh that reminds me of like the optimization part reminds mm. me it's like um of like with inventory it's like yeah. one thing i forgot to mention is that like you have so much stuff but in fallout it mm. felt very um 
it made me think about Fallout 4 a lot because in that game, it's kind of its own problem. But in that game, pretty much everything you pick up, all the junk you pick up, can be like smushed down into like crafting goo, you know, crafting yeah, juice yeah. that you can just use for anything. And like that makes it really easy to yeah. uh, manage your gear. It, but the, the problem with that one is that it makes everything feel bland because yeah. everything is just fuel for better stuff which is its own mm. issue. And in this case, they've yeah. completely removed any sort of system like that. So it's just everything. And it's so hard to manage. I think... Um, did, did Fallout 4 have a sell... Like, it had a thing where you could just sell all junk, right? I felt like it had... Uh, probably. It's been a while. I don't Yeah, whereas, like, this doesn't. So I got, like, go to miscellaneous... Like, I'm like, okay, I got all these globes and stuff. Where is that under? Okay, that's under miscellaneous. Scroll to miscellaneous. Sell all. And then it's just, like... It's just... Yeah, yeah, there's like it's, store, yeah. there's store all resources. The only okay. macro I found, <laughs> you know, within its inventory <laughs> system. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I don't know. Like, um, that's that's the thing. Like, there there are some, like, I've just resorted to I've I've turned on subtitles just for dialogue, only so that I can because I can read the subtitles faster than they speak the dialogue, so I can just skip <laughs> through everything. Uh, I've got a note on that, but I wanted to get back to maps quick. Tell me, tell me. Like, we're it. talking about, like, is it um, on that note of, like, not having a good sense of the universe, like, mm-hmm. geographically, um, the lack of local maps in cities is, oh. like, it's not something I thought of much. I don't, I don't think I cared too much about it initially when I read other people complaining about that. Yeah. But when, like, actually, I was, like, when I got to Neon, which is sort of, like, the cyberpunk-ish, like, neon-draped, like, yeah. city. Like, that has, like, multiple levels and... It's very um it's designed in a way that's kind of very labyrinth like oh, seemingly no. on purpose but that's what I mean it's like there's no like local maps to use and that made me th- like it made me think about like while the while you can like generally probably remember and like I think there are there do seem to be like s- little icons to signify like that there's a s- major city in different systems mm. um in with inside cities though the only way you can get around is either by memorizing it, especially in Neon, it's or sucks. by or how using a quest to tell you yeah. where to go, oh. <laughs> which is a real problem. And then like, it's the like, indicator will take you to the local transit thing, and not, uh, and then you got to go to like some other location that has some sort of elevator, so that you can find which level has the blue pip on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's dude. I, I had so much frustration because. The, the new Atlantis, like, the kind of the quest to side quests you do there require you to go between neighborhoods and different, mm. like, locales. And it was such a nightmare. And I can't even imagine that an entire city built on multiple levels. Like, this was just, like, three levels. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like on multi- even more level, like, multi-level I'm not, I'm not actually not sure if, like, it, it Neon, because I think Atlantis is meant to be biggest, the biggest one. So, Neon, I think it's just Neon's very samey, which is probably true of Atlantis. Yeah. I haven't actually explored much of that place, but, um, like, Neon's, like, it's quite samey, and it's, it's, like, you don't get a great sense of, like, landmarks and stuff. Yeah. And, um, on top of the levels thing. <laughs> so, it's just, like, it's, it's, it's like really hard to find anything. from Blade Runner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh I still I, like, I still think this is gonna be the future. We're gonna make our game like this. Um, <laughs> oh, but also like okay, last thing though, because I yeah. was like reminded of you talking about putting on subtitles for dialogue. Yeah, is that 
man NPCs talk a lot. <laughs> yes. It's like, because... Um, because that's another thing where it compares so weirdly to the other games, and I'm surprised it didn't seem to make any effort to change it, is that in the in Skyrim and Fallout, it makes sense. I'm basically talking about how NPCs will basically always say something as you walk past them. Yeah. And like a lot, and it's like half the time they're tell, telling you like a full anecdote or something. It's like yeah. it's like oh, this random person passing by, like we like I'll spend thirty seconds saying something. I was like, I don't need this lady. Like you're just a guard. It's like, but like, um, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, uh, like in Fallout and Skyrim or like you know Elder Scrolls, like it makes sense to have those systems because people are like way more like are far rarer and like they're just a lot more separated generally so yeah. running into a person who has that sort of like prompt yeah uh, they're because they're either an enemy and they don't do that or yeah. they're friendly and they'll you won't see another one for 10 minutes so yeah. it makes sense that way but in this game there's so many NPCs all in so many spaces and they're so yeah. dense that you can and, just walk through yeah. a place and like everyone's saying like long lines and of dialogue at to you, you. <laughs> Yeah, like specifically at you. Yeah. And half the time it gives you, like, it just adds a new quest to your quest log. Yeah. All of a and sudden. you're like, which one of you, like, yeah. I had one where I was on Mars and it's like, oh, help Mitch Benjamin. And I'm like, when did this quest come to me? Like, where, who is this person? So I just walked around that area looking for anyone that wasn't named citizen or minor. And if yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, no, okay, this is the guy that I'm meant to help. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like, uh, but it's, yeah, it's like that system in particular is so weird because like it feels like one where it's like it's obvious they should have tweaked it in some way to make it yeah. go like okay, these NPCs probably shouldn't say anything. Mainly guards, they really shouldn't be constantly talking at me <laughs> the way they do. Uh, but it's like like most people shouldn't be doing that. So it's like I'm surprised I didn't like tweak it for this game in particular because obvious that like it's like. It's not the biggest deal, but like I noticed yeah. last time I played that it felt really distracting because like I was I was doing that um, you know the cop mission that I was talking about like infiltrating yeah. the pirates and you go through this like fairly this big like you know this um, giant spaceship that it's not that big but you have to go through like these like kind of tight corridors and there's yeah. like guards all over the place and they're constantly saying stuff at you and like it kept like interrupting. <laughs> dialogue like i was oh like talk i was God. getting talked at by one of the constellation guys i think yeah. this probably was in neon actually and yeah. like they were, he was saying stuff but there was like a guard happening <laughs> like those other and like other companions too yeah like in the in your ship like they'll constantly be talking at you or at each other or like the yeah. like all the um cowboy constellation member and his kid yeah. they're constantly <laughs> talking uh, uh, like i don't mind that but they're talking a lot and it constantly and you're you know, it, it actually gets in the way of dialogue pretty often. Yeah, so I just skip through, like, even new people, I'm just, like, skipping through even main things because I feel like you're saying stuff, but, like, I'm just getting, I'm just skipping until you get it gets to the next, like, kind of choice because I'm, like, nothing actually matters about what they're saying. Like, I don't know why, but it's it's, like, I'm going to keep comparing it to Mass Effect because I think the Mass Effect series does a really good job about there's a whole host of characters and different races and stuff but you care about all the main people like everyone's got their story they've got their own side missions and you actually get invested in the people right 
Mm. Whereas in this, I'm just like, I don't care about anyone here. Not even the fake Daenerys Targaryen looking lady. Like, <laughs> just, like, doesn't, I don't know, doesn't Sarah Morgan, she just reminds me of Amelia Clark. But oh, like, not really. She does feel very. A lot of the characters have that sort of like over familiarness to yeah, them, you know, like, like as like characters types. Though. To me, she looks like she looks like Amelia Clark playing her character in uh, the Nick Fury show because she's oh, okay. like always in like jackets and stuff. But she's got the blonde hair and she's got the British accent. So like, yep. it's yeah. I mean. I don't know. And then I'm like, okay, he's a cowboy guy. So he looks like, he looks like, you know, a cowboy character. And then you got like the weird, you got the helmet guy, the kid who's got, like the kid, like the young kid in like the, the constellation group who looks like, um, he's wearing like the inside of a space suit. Like, you know, like what astronauts wear underneath with like the padding all around him. And then oh, you yeah, got the scholar. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got the, the black scientist lady who, uh, loves biology, <laughs> and then you got the the rich white guy, who's like, uh, like fake G man from Half Life. Like, I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting, like all these people are meant like I'm meant to care about them and the cause, but I just don't. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how. Like, I definitely agree with you in terms of like I don't care about these characters and. But I think I was like, that's definitely what I was expected, though, just based yeah. on their previous games. Like, I, I found I don't gotcha. I don't think I ever got attached to like I like Fallout Three a lot personally, but I don't think I ever got um a tr- uh, attached to any characters in Skyrim or Fallout Four. Okay. Myself, yeah. Like, I found I find a lot of a lot of I don't know I'd I'd be curious to know exactly why, but a lot of their both characters and world just don't really yeah. connect to me and this is I, the same deal I've, I've only played fallout 4 so i can only comment on that but i like the um the robot detective he was kind of cool like he had a really cool voice they like he was like kind of like a he had like that noir detective like kind of stereotypical voice but he was a robot like he was yeah. a synth that was pretty cool <laughs> mm. but that's that's all i really remember yeah it's like, <laughs> like there was like, a reporter I, lady with the yeah. younger daughter or the sister or something, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. They just, I think it's like to me at least. And again, like Starfield feels like kind of the worst case of some of these issues they've had for a while. It's like a lot of yeah. the characters feel like broad strokes of like singular traits. Yeah, <laughs> like you're saying, like you're just breaking it down then, and you're <laughs> mostly right. You know, like a lot of these characters are just like they have like one or two defining traits and not seemingly not much else like i'm sure they yeah. have like big backstories but you don't you you feel you don't get like i feel like as you talk to them you don't like mm. um get a sense of it that lets yeah. you like makes you curious to like uncover more and like dig further into their backstories they all yeah. just feel like the same like you you get their gimmick right yeah. away right and away it's just like and you skip the it's dialogue like, until you get to the choice. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I get anyway. <laughs> I understand you. I don't need to think of you anymore. Yeah. I just need uh, to read the text to just get the gist of what, what you're complaining about. Because everyone seems to be complaining in this game. <laughs> Everyone's got some sort of problem. But one last thing I, I want to say is that... Okay. So, we're like... It's set 300 years in the future from today. Or and two hundred years in the future from when humanity left Earth because we 
we effed up the atmosphere and it's a complete desert planet now, right? But somehow there are very, very distinct accents. <laughs> like, like, you know, yeah. the, you're the clearly Aussie guy, you got the Boston accent, you got like, you know, the clearly Irish lady or Scottish lady. Like, why do we still have these very distinct accents from regions in, in a planet we haven't been to for hundreds of years? <laughs> Yeah, I'd be curious if there's like actual, like I'd like to understand that idea further because I feel like there could be good reasons for it, but I don't really trust yeah. that Starfield has them. Um, yeah, but oh, that kind of reminds me of like a 300 years in the future. It kind of made me think, like, just based on what I've played so far, I feel like there's like yeah. a, it doesn't feel like there's much of a central theme to it, which is not something I t- typically think about with games often, to be honest. But like, I was thinking about like, like uh, yesterday or the day before i was kind of reminded of what you just said which is like this is hundreds of years in the future where earth has completely you know is just completely wiped out yeah as a planet and now humanity's everywhere else and i was thinking like it feels like a game where there should be a sense of sort of um maybe not grief but it feels like a very uh, sort of a sad sort of i mean i don't know that's like probably my reading it's just like i was thinking like it doesn't feel like it's defined by any particular emotions beyond like really broad feelings of like hope towards knowledge or whatever and even then it doesn't really try to convince me that that matters beyond saying it does like like it's just and like i think part of that's also i I think part of that's naturally like you know if, if it's 300 years ahead like it's like you know how many like how many generations of people who ha- like you know it's been like what five or six at least generations of people who haven't who have no reverence for earth so maybe yeah, that's I just natural that. i guess but the other part is also like your the entire premise is you join this group oh what do you guys do w- what is your mission oh just to learn more like yeah exactly curious <laughs> like that's sort of yeah exactly it's like that's kind of like it doesn't feel like there's yeah. much like not just curiosity but like yeah. reflection on the state of humanity in this world it, yeah. ju- it just feels like the same kind of like broad story beats and broad like characters and like it doesn't like i again i wasn't expecting much and it's not terrible that it doesn't do these things <laughs> it's just something i ended up thinking about a couple of days ago yeah. and how it feels like something where it because it doesn't have a like real through line tonally yes. or emotionally maybe it tonally it does i don't know but it doesn't like i feel like that's part of the reason i don't connect to it is because yeah. it just doesn't feel like i have like a good core image of what the game is about because what yeah. the game is about is something is mainly <laughs> a lot of cat action on a beer screen right now <laughs> yeah um like it's like mainly about just you know shallow core gameplay loops and yeah. you know that's that's what it's about. It's about trying to entertain the player, and just but not really make them care more than that. Uh, yeah, that's how that's I feel, thing. feel about it. Yeah, it's like there's nothing compelling about this game. I think there are people who are just diehard, uh, you know, Bethesda fans, and like my like my my family friend who I was talking about before with the you know the, with the multiple dual sh- dual sense controllers that are like broken yeah. <laughs> in different ways like he's a he's a diehard Bethesda fan and for him like the big appeal is that like he knows eventually like all the mods are going to come out and everything and that's the appeal and then he can spend hundreds and hundreds of hours 
like he did in Sky. He spent thousands of hours in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I look at that game and I'm like, I just see like a whole bunch of the same things happening again and again, and it's not even that compelling. And I feel like this, I don't know why, but this game more than Fallout Four feels like this is very much you can see all the moving parts. Like it's like you can see all the the, the video game cliche kind of like like systems working whereas i feel like it, at least in fall it seems less it was less obvious in fallout 4 for some reason and i don't know why i'm thinking that yeah no i, I get what you mean because that's how yeah. I, that's kind of what i ended up coming away from once you kind of once i learned about how it's open world work you know about yeah. how like you land on a planet it procedurally generates a big open empty space that's yeah. not much fun to travel across and it just yeah. kind of does that over and over again. And it's yeah. just like, it's like, it's not, there's no illusion to it, which I think is something yeah. I did say last time. It's like, there's there's very little attempt at trying to sell that you're doing, yeah. like a partic- having a particularly kind of iconic journey of any sort. Yeah. You're just jumping around, like you're just shortcutting through space without much yeah. care about what how you're doing 100%. it or what you're doing. And yeah. that's the thing, like, I'll, I'll go back to like, the you play the original Mass Effect, right? Yeah, been a and while though. You you only go like you, you realistically only go to like five or six planets, right? But each planet has got a distinct look, a distinct set of people or even, you know, aliens and stuff, distinct music. Like this doesn't have that. It's it's like instead of okay, there are thousands of planets, right? But they're all procedurally generated. Basically ninety nine percent is empty, right? So mm. instead of doing that, like why not say okay you go to maybe 10 or 12 planets but those planets are really well defined and have a lot of distinct landscape landmarks and and you know people and you know cultures or whatever it is right but instead of doing that it's like it's like yes you've got all this scale but all that scale doesn't really matter if you're not doing anything meaningful in those areas so that, that's yeah. why I'm just like, yeah, I think that's, that's a good way to put it. Cause it's like, yeah. like your idea of like 12, you know, more realized planets, it's not a yeah. bad one, but even if yeah. they didn't do that one, you know, it's like, there had to be a better idea <laughs> that yeah, they exactly. could have done. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like a happy medium. Like I feel, I haven't played Outer Worlds, but I know that's one that I want to play. Cause I feel like that, that's coming from Obsidian, you know, most famously like the people who kind of did like KOTOR 2 and um, uh, I'm thinking, uh, New Vegas, Fallout New Vegas. So I think yeah. I think they used to be called the, like the sloppy seconds of like Western RPG developers. But <laughs> now it's like people really like New Vegas and its story. It's not as yeah. large in scale as Fallout 3, but a lot of people actually prefer it. And I feel like that's what people said about Outer Worlds is that, you know, there's there's not as many locations and things like that, but people really liked that, you know, it wasn't as large a scale game. And I, and I wonder if I would, if I play that, if I'd enjoy that, like I'd still get the space feeling, you know, the space aesthetic and everything. But because, like, there are m- there's more to do on each world and, and more story and more unique characters and unique character of each planet, I wonder if that might be a more focused game and maybe that's more up our alley versus apparently what <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least why be are we more playing Starfield 
Well, I'm not anymore. Yeah, I, this is yeah. convincing me that I'm just gonna not like because I was <laughs> I was gonna like you know stop playing pretty soon because I haven't yeah. played in a few days anyway. But this has the talking it through for almost an hour or whatever has made me think it's like okay, I'm just gonna uninstall it. I think this isn't <laughs> worth it. <laughs> like, like I'm it, clearly not yeah. enjoying it. <laughs> it's a Game Pass game for sure. Yeah, for, for me anyway. I think I think you're mm. you're the same as well. I wouldn't I wouldn't pay 120 dollars for this. <laughs> Yeah, I hope the people who did enjoy it. It yeah. seems like they do generally, yeah. but I am yeah. disappointed in it, despite yeah. coming with pretty low expectations. Yeah. And like you know, you talked about the inventory and things like that. Like there, there are like mods and stuff to f- apparently fix all that stuff. But it's like you shouldn't have to rely on that. <laughs> like you know, you had how long to make this game and learn the lessons from Fallout Four and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like it's it's just like it's so much their other games with either new or existing problems which is weird (laughs) it's like it's like other games but more and you're like oh more more like new content more like story is like no just just more (laughs) yeah exactly of everything i said something like that when it was like shown off ages ago yeah like i feel like i not to try not to try and be too you know braggy or anything it's just like i'm kind of surprised at how how closely it ended up aligning with my meanest <laughs> visions of it <laughs> like like again like i'm sure there's like a lot of good stuff in it like i've we've neither of us have barely touched the surface of it really yeah. but I, I don't think either of us are also that convinced it's going to be worthwhile yeah. either i will so. say that the jetpack now that i've unlocked the jetpack <laughs> which to unlock it is stupid because I had the jetpacks, like the suits that yes. had the jetpacks, <laughs> but I didn't have some arbitrary skill unlock to let me control. <laughs> it's like it's like the button was there, but like my brain couldn't understand what the button did until I unlocked it in my head somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's um. But yeah, the the jetpack's actually fun. Like I can see that being a lot of fun, but it's like <laughs> again, it makes f- like running a a kilometer across the surface slightly better (laughs) yeah yeah anyway um yeah i don't know why you can't have like a little buggy like like yeah exactly it stands out so quickly or it's just like i think someone i saw another comment comparing to like a like not having a horse it's like oh yeah you have horses in fall like skyrim and those places are way denser and like it's just (laughs) but you don't have anything slightly like that like 300 years in the future they're like oh no we 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 haven't figured out transportation everyone just catches the train or ship (laughs) your feet can't figure out pedals or (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah. and also or wheels <laughs> and also like you'll travel like two light years to have a conversation with someone that's like three sentences and you're like like this is the definition yeah, of this could have been an email yeah anyway yeah. I think that's I think that's going to wrap it up for the Starfield talk <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I don't know if we're going to I don't know maybe no, I'll play enough. a little bit more I don't know <laughs> something else to complain about next week but uh, i know that you you brought up one piece but i feel yeah, like yeah no that's enough that might <laughs> be a next today. week conversation <laughs> yeah, i haven't even finished it i was just gonna talk about it so yeah better <laughs> next week is probably better all i can say is that it seems like people don't hate this like the other live action adaptations of anime yeah it's not bad i'll talk about it next time <laughs> On that note, 
I think that's going to do it for this episode of Double Jump Radio. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for listening along to, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> kind of a bummer all-around episode. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Kai doesn't yeah. feel too bad about having to miss it because <laughs> I feel like it's really like the best episode he could have unfortunately missed. <laughs> uh, the, the, I was going to say, yeah. What, what if the surprise is that, yeah, he's traveling... He's going to a friend's house who has an Xbox and now he's like falling in love with Starfield and <laughs> just like <laughs> Yeah. Uh well, uh thank you everyone for listening and you can head over to doublejump.co to find links to all of our awesome articles, uh previous episodes of the show, <clears throat> as well as links to our social media and our community Discord uh server. Um yeah everyone thank you so much for listening John always a pleasure catching up with you and getting apparently rant <laughs> for hours it's nice to have another new game like Redfall to just beat off for a while <laughs> together <laughs> uh, yeah I wonder what the next game will be we'll have to like mark our calendars for the next game yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> until next time everyone look out for one another Peace. See ya. <laughs>